I'm Dr. Jerry Yu, CEO and founder of Next Level Physio. On the Beyond Physio podcast today, I got to interview Katie Zafaris, who was a bronze medalist at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. We talked about the professional trial life, the challenges, and the mindset needed to be an Olympian. And finally, we get to talk about what life is like as both professional athlete and a new mother. I hope you enjoyed the episode. They often neglect that, even though it's part of your race time. Yeah. Are there any strategies or things that you've done to get that to be a much faster, uh, harder race than maybe before? And the question of the day is, are you socks or no socks? No socks for sure. But if I was doing long distance triathlon, I would for sure be socks. But, <laughs> but like for my races, it really, like if I were to put on socks, there's, I'd be out of the race. Like my, my day is done. <laughs> or I'd have to become a much better swimmer um, to be able to have that luxury. So no socks um, for the races. There's what so one of the first things you said that makes me think about it is just putting it into your training. Like I literally like asked my coach to put it into my program because if it's up to me to just pick a day to do it, like it'll become one of the things that I consider skippable. Welcome to the Beyond Physio Podcast, where we help you move, excel, and inspire others on your journey to your next level with knowledge and advice from experts and testimonials from our like-minded community. So the cool thing is you have all these accolades and awards, <laughs> but I think that we would be remiss if we didn't talk about your biggest claim to fame, which is your limelight appearance on Tiny House Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear about this before we start. Okay. Um, so when we were, I guess, so what was that, 26, 2015, 2016? Yeah. Uh, we were basically just living on the road. So Tommy and I really didn't have a home. I said, I think my license said California, which is where he was born and raised. But we just traveled. And so, like, every time we would leave and every time we would come back, we'd have to, like, pack up, unpack, pack up, unpack. And we didn't really want a house to maintain because that's obviously a lot of work and we aren't around to do that. And we didn't want to put that on my family. So I love watching, like, all the tiny house shows, or I did when I was watching a lot more TV. And um, so I was like, oh, like, maybe, like, we should get a tiny house. And Tommy's one of those who, if you say something and he likes it, then he goes with it like to the nth degree oh yeah yeah <laughs> and actually my agent um bob babbitt he had a connection with the tiny house nation um, host so we were uh, we we got on the show and they built us a tiny house that is wow. specific to our lifestyle yeah. so it had um bike storage in the back and wow. it, it was awesome we did cheat we had a shed um, it was on Tommy's sister's property, so it was really nice because they were able to like do the minimal taking care of it that they needed to. And um, we never thought we were like tiny house people for life. Although when we lived in it, we loved it, and we were we were like, no way, you could have a kid in it. But ultimately, we became bigger house people um, <laughs> once we once we moved to Cary and found a home. That's awesome. <laughs> But Amazing. yeah, it's still there. There's a guy yeah, named Dave who lives in it. Also, um, <laughs> yeah. So it, it's still still in existence. That's crazy. Um, so talk about your origin story here, because I know that you were into steeplechasing mm -hmm. at one point, and my thought was, well, how do you go from steeplechasing to triathlon? Because I know there's a couple of water you got to sometimes jump through. 
but that's about all the water that you get. So talk <laughs> about that journey for you. So I actually started when I was growing up, I was more like a swimmer, soccer player, lacrosse player. I would have considered those my main sports for a lot of my childhood. And when I decided I was done with lacrosse, I was like, oh, I'm going to run to stay in shape for soccer in the fall. And that was my sophomore year in high school. So I was still swimming as my main sport and then running to stay in shape for soccer and playing, going to try out for the soccer team. I did really well my first year of running and I won states in Maryland and it's a small state, but (laughs) but it was still quite good. And ultimately when I went out for soccer the next year, I still think this is a little bit against me because my track coach was also the varsity soccer coach. And he was trying to get the cross country coach to recruit me while I was trying out for his team. So, <laughs> oh. um, I probably should thank him right now, but um, because I did make the team, but he told me I wouldn't get much playing time. And on picture day, I decided I was going to not do soccer and do cross country instead. So anyways, just to say that was kind of when I started running. So I was a swimmer and a runner at the end of my high school, like, career and deciding to go to college either for swimming or running but triathlon really wasn't in my head I just did it with my dad on father's day that was my first triathlon I ever did was after my senior year in high school and it was just something for fun and something he had said like will you do this with me and I was like okay (laughs) Um, and I always thought it was for him only to find out like years later that he actually had like a little bug in his head of like this would be a good way to get me in a triathlon. Yeah. Um, because when I said yes, he had to learn how to swim. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so like that's, that was my only introduction into triathlon. I never saw it as a career. I never knew like it was an Olympic sport. I didn't know much about it. It was just something for fun. So I ran my five years at Syracuse cause I had a registered year. And yeah. within that time, USA triathlon contacted me. Barb. Yep. Barb yeah. Lindquist. Yeah. And she said, we have a program called the Collegiate Recruitment Program. It recruits athletes who run Division One and have a background in swimming or vice versa. And so they identified me and like I kind of started, I still had another year of eligibility for running and I was on scholarship. So I couldn't go like full-fledged into triathlon at that point. But my coach, Coach Fox uh, at Syracuse was actually quite supportive and he's like, you can do triathlon as long as it's not like your running season. So I think it was like going into my fifth year, I had indoor and outdoor, but I didn't have cross country. So I did a little bit of local triathlon races and I really enjoyed it. And um, so I kind of just started being in my like sphere of awareness then. And I just happened to get really lucky with timing because at the same time that I was graduating from college and deciding if I was going to go to grad school or start being a phys ed teacher, which is what I went to school for, um, or they... The, the collegiate recruitment program was just starting to make like a resident program at the Olympic training center in Colorado Springs. And they're like, do you want to come out and be a, a resident and go like full fledged into the um, like triathlon life and try to be, make the Olympics. And I ultimately decided, yes. <laughs> um, my dad drove me out from Maryland to Colorado Springs. It's like 24 hours of tra- driving and, an hour away from Colorado Springs. I was like, I don't want to do it anymore. (laughs) I was just like so scared. I mean, it's really intimidating. Like to me, the Olympics like is intimidating. Like I didn't grow up wanting to be an Olympian because I was always like, and it wasn't because I didn't want to be one. It was just 
I, I was like, do you know how many people make the Olympics? Like to me, it's just like kind of crazy yeah. to think. And now that now I'm a hypocrite and I've got the two. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, I, I ulti- my dad said, he's like, okay, if you're unhappy, like give it some time. And if you're unhappy, just call me and I'll fly back up and we'll drive back together. Like it's, it was a really low risk yeah. way. And I didn't never ended up calling him to come pick me up. So. <laughs> That's great because um, not only did your parents forge uh, a way for you to get into the sport, Unknowingly knowing that you get into this level of triathlon, <laughs> but you also embrace that challenge at some point and said, "Like I'm going to take this on," which is so great. You have such great people around you to support you on that endeavor. Yeah, I've always feel like my parents. I've always been so thankful because they've always guided me without pushing. So like they never forced me into any sport or like they always just wanted us to work hard, try our best, and have fun and be active. And I think by them doing that, and even like with my dad, when he dropped me off saying, like, just try it. If you don't like it, I'll come pick you up. Like, that's a lot um, more comfortable of a way to do uncomfortable things than like if they're like, no, you need to do this. Like, that could have made it a lot more stressful and maybe like turned me off to it. But instead, I was like, okay, just try it. And it opens it up to me liking it. And then like the pathway from there has been amazing. <laughs> do you think that, because I as we talked about this in our, uh, in, in our an episode with uh, Corinne who just became pro, and it seems like the, the parallel here is that both of you had support behind you saying, listen, just try it. Yeah. And sort of that positive encouragement versus the other tiger parent who's like, well, you have to do this because mommy, dad, it says so, it coach says so, that kind of thing. Do you think that actually was uh, what enabled you to get to this point as well? For sure. And even like within triathlon, there is like a, there is a time where I was like between coaches and really uncertain and unhappy for in my career. And my dad was like, Hey, you don't have to do this. You can like do something else. I was like, dad, I don't like my job, like less than 10% of the time. And I feel like that's pretty good. <laughs> um, but it was they're, my parents are always, both my mom and my dad, like I'm speaking a lot about my dad, but my mom's the same way, like at races during college, like they're the ones that are there cheering no matter like whether I'm like about to get laughed or last, like they don't, they don't care how I do, like they just want me to be happy and they want me to try the best I can, like my mom and dad would always just send me text messages before my races and triathlon because they're a lot over the, like all across the world, so yeah. they're not always there and just being like, like race hard, have fun, tie your shoes tight. Like those are like, <laughs> I mean, the tie your shoes tight was more applicable to running at Syracuse, but because <laughs> <but laughs> you actually want your triathlon shoes a little loose, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. What's that? You want to ask me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, you got that map. Okay. Great. So. Here's a question for you. Um, and by the way, before I start, Matt, are we okay with the sound? Because we're getting a lot of uh, echo on the phones. I can't hear it. Yeah, I thought this was just before, not the yeah. actual pop. Do you, do you hear the echo? Because we have heard a lot on our side. I can't really hear you. Yeah. Okay, well, let's keep it going. All right, let's continue. Yeah, oh, keep it okay here twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So, 
I think one of the questions that I have was, um, now that you've been in the sport for so long, and now you're in this phase of being a working mom as an athlete, uh, has there been a major change in how you've been training since the Olympics as a result? There's definitely a lot of changes with having Kimball. Um, I suppose if you look at like the swim, bike, run aspect of it, it hasn't changed that much. I would have, my average training hours was 20 to 25 hours before Kimball. And now it's like 18 to 20, I would say. So it's significant difference, but it's mostly on the bike, I would say, where I'm just not doing like the longer rides. So instead of like doing uh, about like three hours on Wednesday, I do two and a half. Instead of doing like four hours on Sunday, I still do two and a half. So like that's um, a significant time. And I think there's like one day less of riding that yeah. I do. Because swimming, I'm swimming the same amount. Like running is about the same too, except instead of doubles, I'll do like one longer run. Yeah. So um, if you look at that and I do strength twice a week. So that's pretty standard for me. Um there's no downtime and there's no, we were talking before we started recording, but, um, like I would, I used to take a lot more naps. Yes. <laughs> I don't take naps anymore. Kimball takes naps, but it's hard because people say like nap when the baby naps, but there's other stuff to do. And with Tommy working and like childcare, we kind of do, we don't do a lot of, we have like four hours a day, um, which one we're training and when he's working, yeah. uh, we use it for the crit like critical things when either we're both out or both want to, like I want to be training or he, he needs to be working. So when Kimball's napping, like today, for instance, I put him down and this, and Tommy was working. So as soon as I got him to sleep, I went out on a bike ride and then I got back and he was still asleep. I was like, okay, good. And then I went out and did like the sauna where I have a race in Mexico. So I'm doing a little bit of heat training. Nice. Um, and then I looked on the monitor, like when I was leaving, he was still asleep. And when I got back, like he was up and Tommy had him. So for like five minutes, so yeah. then we traded off. Like, <laughs> so, so no nap time. So that's been a big, big difference and leading into probably more so than here or like training is leading into races is really yeah. different for me because I'm someone who would really like do my own thing and yeah. be very self-focused during the week leading into the race. And now um, we bring support for like when I go to races, it's me, Tommy, and either my mom, a friend or a babysitter yeah. comes with us, but it's still different because I'm not just going to like ignore Kimball for a week. So like <laughs> basically the Monday through Thursday, I'm doing typically everything I would do with Kimball here. And then, uh, kind of like the Friday, the day before the race, I asked like my mom, like, okay, can you be on like prime Kimball duty? And then obviously on race day, um, like the morning it's more focused on like yeah. me getting into the race. But even like when we were in Italy, uh, our Airbnb, I just raced in Cagliari in Italy. And, um, normally I would just ride to the race, but because my mom and Kimball were there and my mom wanted to come to the race, like, which is reasonable request. <laughs> yeah. um, I ended up like driving them and I was all oh, nervous because I was like, oh, this isn't what I would do. Like oh pack Kimball into the car, like, and like worry about if we have everything. But you know what? It's like, I think what I'm realizing is it, it like triathlon, I'm, it's my job and I'm very serious about it, but it also doesn't have to be so like dialed into me like me driving and like having them like be 
me being like a little bit support for them, but mostly they're self-sufficient. Once we get there, I'm just like, all right, <laughs> you guys good. I'm leaving. I'm going to go check in like, and we're making, we're figuring it out and making it work. And it's a lot more challenging, but it's also a lot more rewarding and fulfilling. And it's yeah, just really cool. Phase of, yeah. I mean, for me as a parent, my, my old one actually will be going to college in two months. Oh, and So I'm at that tail end. My little one is going to graduate from high school in another year. Uh, so we're about to be at the nester. So we're on the other side of the spectrum. Yeah. But my life as a parent, um, as a working parent, I, it's, it's far on as far as having that other aspect of my life. Yeah. It's, it's amazing for you. Yeah. Like I never thought I was going to come back to racing after we started a family. Yeah, yeah. Because of professional sport being really like self in my opinion like pretty self-centered and like a thing i wasn't sure i could be the mom i wanted to be and be the athlete i wanted to be and there's certainly things that like in both realms like don't always work perfectly there's not always a perfect balance but i think some of the best things about the races i've done so far with kimball and with racing is i'm like wow i like can do this how i want to do it and as soon as i'm done the race and like with him and with my mom or my friends or whoever is with us, like you're just back to being mom and being a family and just filled like it's a lot. It just fills my heart. Like, oh, yeah. I guess that's like the way to describe it is like, <laughs> you're done. The race is over. Whatever happened, happened. We'll reflect, we'll get better. But right now the focus is back to being normal <laughs> maybe that's why she runs so fast exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is a little the faster we run the faster you get back <laughs> uh, just to piggyback off that maybe like tell us about some things that when you are in a race what motivates you to go faster or race that person next to you or if self-doubt comes into play like how do you handle that so i would say that i self-doubt i feel like i have a different word for like i it's more just like nerves and i think that's when you like i like question things but i always feel like that's fine as long as the underlying like the the main feeling is confidence so it's like no problem to have a little bit of doubt or a little bit of nerves as long as the confidence overrides that and i can always like go back to like my preparation or um just like knowing it's normal. I think that really helped me. I used to think like, oh gosh, I'm like super nervous. But now I'm like, oh, nerves mean I'm ready. Nerves mean I care. Nerves mean like, and even with, I do visualization and I talk to a sports psychologist. And when we go through things, like when I'm visualizing the race, I always, I don't just visualize like swimming, biking and running the race, but I'm visualizing the lead into things. I'm visualizing like the emotions I'm going to have, like when I see other athletes, if I feel like, oh man, they're looking really fit or like they, they seem really like prepared. I just like kind of say like, okay, like I see that emotion. I see that feeling, but like, that's not going to benefit me. So go back to my process. And my coach does a really good job. Sometimes going into the races, you, you know, the anxieties are pretty high or like the feelings are really strong and, if they start overwhelming me, my coach is always like, go back to your process, which for me is like writing out my goals, right? Like visualizing my race and just kind of realizing all those things that I've done that, that make me feel that confidence that kind of overrides any other yeah. so insecurities. Like trust enough, trust in the process. Yeah. Knowing that you put in all this hard work and you're just doing it on that day. Yeah. That's all it is. And also like, knowing as because i'm like 10 years in my career now i think it's been the 10th year 
And so I can really, I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, have I been out of college? Like, oh, okay. But um, all those years, like, have really, I can look back at races and any race that I go to, even if I haven't done it, I'm like, well, like, I fall back on those experiences that I've done in other races. And like, well, I've done every, basically any type of course possible by now in my career. Or I've had races where, I haven't had a very good lead up and then have had a good race or I've had races where I've raced in the rain and like just being able to look at all the different aspects of all the races that I've done in my career and all the training that I've done. It makes me feel prepared for anything now that I go into races being like, well, I've done this before. Yeah. I can feel confident even if it's not exactly the same. Yeah. And if I haven't done it before, then I always feel like it's like a, this is, like let's see what I can do attitude rather than treating every race as a test I think I used to do that I used to be like oh if I'm not on the podium like that's a fail like and I guess as I've gotten older I'm like oh like that's not how life works like <laughs> that's not how racing works that's not how life works like you're you don't fail you just kind of learn something and then you can reflect and then you can be better the next time I love this uh journey of resilience that you guy <laughs> over time it's such a um it's humbling for me to talk to Olympian, first of all, but also the fact that, you know, you're going through a lot of the same things that I've gone through as a business owner and as an entrepreneur too. Yeah. And John and I, as both clinicians over time, like you have your wins, you have your losses, but um, it's cool seeing that from your perspective that at the end of the day, you have a little confidence and yeah. that supersedes the nerves and nerves are normal. So that's a really cool perspective that you have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel it. And like, it goes to me for everything. I, I mean, I think rarely on race day, do people feel amazing? Or at least I don't. <laughs> I don't know. And I'm always like visualizing like this warm up feels terrible, but it always feels terrible. Like you don't feel great going in the race, but you never feel great going into the race. So it's like kind of nice to just like know that and then be like, you don't have to feel good to do well. And I think that's one of like my main mantras in sport. Yeah. I definitely feel that on the bike. I always had to get through like the first yeah. 30 minutes knowing that my quads are getting tight and it's like, once I get this past this yeah. 30 minutes, I'm warmed up and I'm good to go. Yeah. So I can definitely relate with that. And I'm sure a lot of people can as well. Yeah. Um, a couple other people have asked uh, if you could talk a little bit about your training, maybe while you were pregnant or afterwards and maybe how you ramp that up coming back from pregnancy. Yeah. So I, we got pregnant right after the Olympics. And so as well, after the season, I guess once the season ended after the Olympics. And so it was kind of like my break time anyways. And after the Olympics, I mean, you're just trying to make it through. And then it was an extra year. So you're like trying to just make it to the end of the quad plus one year. Yeah. And so I was just like, I'm just going to take my pregnancy easy. And I really didn't, I didn't train like an elite athlete. I actually like didn't have my coach asked my coach not to give me any training and I just kind of went whatever I felt and um I ran basically till 36 weeks but it would be some days where I would run straight for like hour 15 and then other days where it would just be like a walking like one minute running one minute walking run for as long as I kind of felt I could um biking I stopped pretty early but it was part because I didn't feel safe riding on the roads and it was getting colder <laughs> and I was like, I am not a trainer girl. <laughs> so like, I see nothing wrong with riding the trainer when you're pregnant, but I just hate it. So I didn't do it. <laughs> um, and I would swim, but only like 
two to three K. So I stayed active, but it definitely wasn't a training regimen mm -hmm. or anything like that. And then, so then when I did do strength starting probably at like 20 weeks, which I wish, or for a, like another pregnancy in the future, I would do strength the whole time. Mm -hmm. But I kind of, when we got pregnant, it was my off season and I never, I, I, I like really do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it just took me a while to like get back into it. And so that was kind of like leading into Kimball actually being born. Um, and then once he was born, I started running. I had a woman from the USOPC who's an exercise physiologist. She helped me come back. I, I really wanted a female to help me yeah. because of ha like her having gone through it and just like really knowing what it's like. And then also I worked with um, Shafali Christopher from um, Durham and yeah. she helped me because she does a lot of research in runner, uh, pregnant runners and postpartum runners. So she, they guided me back, but there was a point where my workouts from, um, uh, oh gosh, my, I'm blanking, Lindsay, um, where they just got like, I was like, um, Joel would give me the same, like my, my normal coach that I've had for like since 2014, he would be giving me like the same thing or easier. And I was like, I feel like I can go back to him now. <laughs> um, but I really took it super conservatively. And it's something that I would recommend for a lot of uh, athletes coming back after pregnancy, because I think I've like knock on wood have managed to not be injured or anything coming back. And I really attribute that to a like, doing what I felt comfortable with leading into like Kimball being born and never really like pushing past my comfort level, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then be coming back and just being really like conservative with it and slow so that I was building, but without rushing. And by doing that, I, now I feel like I'm in a great spot and there's nothing I would have changed in trying to like rush to be back better because I feel like I'm back to being like, res I've always been a resilient athlete and or robust for like injury stuff, but I, I wasn't sure how that would be coming back from having a baby, having never mm -hmm. done it and watching a lot of people kind of struggle with the initial aspect of coming back with injuries. Yeah. I think it's smart that you say like, just take your time kind of with it. Yeah. But I also, we've talked before about your kind of training and how like you're given a workout, but there's a little bit of wiggle room based yeah. on how you feel. Do you mind diving into that a little bit? So like a run workout, for example. Right. So for almost all of my sessions that Joel Filial, he's my coach that he gives me, it's all as you feel. Yeah. And he'll have like some target pace of starting maybe, but, or even like for the bike, it might be like power, but a lot of it's just descent. So you're going to like, if we did, um, what was the run we did? Like five, four, three, two, one. Okay. Yeah, so with five, four, three, that's like one I will do going into races, five minutes, four minutes, three minutes, two minutes, one minute with two minutes rest in between. And it'll be like, you're starting the five minute at, oh, sorry guys, four minutes, I'm metric. <laughs> so it's not mile pace or I'd be we'll super fast. Because I'm not running four minute miles, four minutes, four minute per K pace. And then from there I'll descend, but he doesn't write like, four minute per K, 350 per K. It, I kind of just go by how I feel. And I think it's great because in general, it's like for pregnancy or for just me as an athlete, 
before Kimball and now after, it really leaves it open to how you're feeling on each day. So if you're feeling crummy, like you don't have to descend that so much. Or if you're feeling good, then like you can kind of go with as you as you feel and it like leads it up to interpretation for um, how fast you get. And I just think it's been the way to do it so that like mentally you're not feeling defeated if you're not hitting these specific numbers, but also some of the workouts I've really surprised myself because, because there is no like how high or how fast you'll get, like you can get as fast or like go as hard as you want. And sometimes I'm like, wow, like I would have never done that had yeah. there been like the end point. Right. So like if it went down to a 330 kilometer, yeah. you would never have gone to like a 320 or something like that. Yeah. Or like know that I'm comfortable there, mm -hmm. I think. Because I think I was also saying to John at a run workout that we never really finished like throwing up or like you <laughs> should always be able to do like one more. Um but get pretty close to the the most that you can get out of yourself. And I also train a lot with my husband, Tommy, and he'll like lead me to attain better numbers or like faster paces. Because if he's, if I'm doing something with him and he's relaxed, that's just kind of like go with it. And then I'm like, Oh shoot. Like we just did like pretty well. And like on the bike, especially like hill workouts is what I think of because it'll just be like trying to hang with him. And I'm, oh, I think I never really answered your question about what motivates me during a race, but like, it's just like trying to stay with people or like get to the front or like be at the front or just like, I like chasing and I'm very, I'm not very motivated by um, my husband <laughs> and boys in general. Like, like I like group rides. I like doing workouts to try and stay with, yeah, stay and stay with the guys. Yeah. From what I understand, Tommy was also quite the athlete too, from what John had said. Yeah. He um we met in doing triathlon when Tommy was a professional triathlete and he he was he was really strong. I don't think he ever like put it together as well as he would have wanted to. And in twenty fourteen he was at a race in Dallas and he had a heat stroke and two seizures at the finish and got like airlifted to the hospital and it was it was really scary, yeah. And we would have thought that would have been the end of his career. And I think I wanted it to be the end of his career and his parents wanted it to be the end of his career, but he actually did race a little bit more, did pretty well, but he found that he couldn't race in the heat the same way. His body would kind of do like a protective mechanism. I don't, I don't know if I'm just talking out of my butt here, but like, <laughs> um, like he couldn't push himself in the heat anymore. And ultimately he decided he wasn't going to do triathlon. He was going to train with me. And then I was like, well, can you get a job? So, yeah. I, <laughs> so I, I never wanted to race for money yeah. or have it be like the motivation. Yeah. So like with him doing like something part time, just it never made it. So like we had to rely on my yeah. like performances and it worked out like he's he's now in he works for World Triathlon as a photographer at the races and a social like a social media content creator. So he's at all the races that I've been at. And then when he's home now, he works for USA Triathlon actually as a talent ID coordinator, which is basically what Barbara Lindquist did. Yeah, the same. Yeah. And like <laughs> so, so it's kind of cool how it's all worked out. But yeah, Tommy still trains with me. Like we just actually, uh, yes, or yeah, this weekend, yesterday, 
started with a new babysitter who's gonna come on the weekend so that he can train with me um, because I do think it was it's he's kind of like not my my not so secret weapon and (laughs) (laughs) really good training partner sounds like yeah yeah (laughs) he's really strong he's strong and he's also he like paces really well so he'll just kind of like pull me along without me needing to think too much about it mm-hmm. um we it took us a while to get to this point when we first started training together it was not as um smooth or yeah i always wanted to get to the point where we'd get into fights uh-huh. and then he would just like ride away from me and i hated it it annoyed me so much that he could just like ride away from me because like that's what i wanted to do when uh, I was there. like have to just keep going slower and slower so he's not with me anymore but we we still have our moments, but we we do a good job. And like now, he he likes to like help me, but I'm not always open yeah. for like feedback from my husband about what I'm doing. So Perfect. now he knows. He's like, can I? He asked before. He just like tells me. I was like, mm-hmm. can I give you advice? And I say, just give me a minute. Just give me a minute. <laughs> See, that's, that's a really good husband. husband, great spouse, where you can actually kind of roll a bit. That's and and adjust yeah. to what. You know, what's for your? Yeah. Oh yeah, I I know he's like it's so hard for him when I say like just give me a minute. Like he really just wants to tell me, but I really just need a minute, and then I'll ask him because I've also learned that he does know what he's talking about. <laughs> oh, that's good. It's good to hear. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna ask based along that both lines actually. Like, how do you do that whole like work life balance? It sounds like you just kind of make it happen where you can adjust where you can. Are there any strategies that you take on a week-to-week basis in your training and work and Tommy's life and Kimball? It's really intertwined right now, <laughs> like um, all of them. I think now that Tommy had this job with USA Triathlon, like he that brings a bit more balance because we're not doing everything together. But like until Kimball was born, we literally would be like together 24-7. And sometimes you just don't have anything to talk about at the end because you've experienced everything together. <laughs> so, so now, yeah. So now it's really nice because he has like different things separate from me. He yeah. also uh, like tomorrow night is the group ride and he loves doing the Tuesday night group ride. Like that's his thing. Yeah. Um, and I think just being in Carrie, we each have our own little like circles. circles. And, but we like, like doing stuff together and we're also... <laughs> not very fun people so like we don't really like going out so my mom she came to babysit she's like you guys need to like go out i was like well can we just stay in and like you can we stay in the house but like you take care of people um we I think because our life is so go, go, go. And now that we have a home, we really like I think it'll change at some point. But now we just like being home yeah. because we've traveled so much that it's yeah. like it's been very awesome and I enjoyed every minute. But like it's nice just to be in one place. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people can relate with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because you don't want to um, stay up late. Right. Don't want to drink <laughs> right. because like it'll all affect the next yeah. day's training. Yeah, and then it's gonna have that workout a little bit harder, and then it's just not gonna be 
fun. Yeah. And we like, like going, so he'll come on like the easy rides with me or easy runs. And it's been really fun with Kimball because oh, yeah. we'll all go on their runs so cool. and John's yeah. experience. John, yeah. Someone was so fun and some. So, so the first time that we ran together, she's like, Kimball's great. You know, <laughs> just chills in the thing and then like watches us run super quiet. It's going to be fun. We get there. Um, you were a little bit late, but that's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. They were like, we've been late every time. time. <laughs> yeah, we're on time, and Kimball's great. And then they were late, and then Kimball was like tired. Didn't yeah, want to yeah, yeah. And it was like three or four months, and it's the last one. He nailed it. It was good. He nailed oh, it. Well, yeah. yeah. Now, it wasn't throwing sunglasses or anything like that. <laughs> and then the other learning part was like, so I'll just keep running, and Tommy will, it, Tommy's pushing Kimball the whole time. Yeah. I don't just don't feel comfortable running with the stroller just because I never have. Yeah. And so I don't want to like risk anything at this point in my like season or career. Yeah. Um, so like Tommy will go to like kind of situate Kimball, give him his passy, give him his blanket or whatever he needs. And like, I'll just keep running. But like the first time John's like, like, do we wait for him? Like, yeah, no, no, he'll, he'll catch up. He'll catch up. But I'm like, I ran the other day. Tommy stopped for a second, and I, I ran with the stroller for like a minute, and I was like, oh, wow, this is really hard. Like when I like now, when I think of how Tommy like catches up to us, or he uh, on Saturday he did my run workout with me, which is like ten eight six four two 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 one of minutes. And he did the like the whole thing, and again it was like descending in paces, and I'm like. No wow. wonder he's pretty fit right now. Like, yeah. it's really hard. <laughs> Running with, like, a 40-pound medicine ball. Yeah, and, and, ball. and, like, just keeping it straight. You're like, oh, I know. Yeah. You're and he's always like, oh, can we do it with the pavement? And I'm like, no, the trail's fine. And then after, like, I did give it to him. I was like, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. Now. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, I want to kind of jump back to when you, like, travel. Like, what do you do with like food? Like, do you bring food with you? Do you go to a certain restaurant when you're away? Um, and like, what's what's your big thing when you travel? So I usually don't bring too much food with me. I bring I use you can during the race and before the race. So I'll bring my you can with me, so I have like my race nutrition and mm -hmm. like things for like pre and post. Um, besides that, I have found that you can pretty much find what you need. Mm -hmm in almost everywhere we go i would say like maybe like mexico and south america are the ones where i might pack like a little bit of food and really it would be like i could survive off like oatmeal for like leading into a race so like <laughs> so it's breakfast, not like lunch and dinner <laughs> maybe not but because i would do like rice and i'm pretty sure you can get rice anywhere yeah, <laughs> so because my race nutrition I eat like pretty well balanced for all my like training and normal life. But going into a race, I start eating a lot more just like white, like bland foods. So I can make sure that my stomach and everything is really easy to digest. And so it really is like eating bread and rice and like maybe like taking peanut butter or something to like put in a bit of protein. But I'm really not eating much green leafy vegetables or even fruit besides I'll eat bananas. But sure. like everything's really simple and you can usually find it oh. where you're going um there like if i'm eating out because sometimes we'll like order out and i actually weirdly like indian food when i like lean into really? rice but 
I don't do spicy. That's oh, that's okay. one of the big yeah. things. And it'll I'll if I do that, it'll be like three or four days out from the race. I'll try one restaurant and then I'll, if it's good, I'll just eat there like oh, for yeah. like the the same thing oh, and yeah. it doesn't bother me and I like enjoy oh, it and trust yeah. it by the time I get to race day. So, so yeah. And then like after the race, I like to do, I like to try whatever um area we're in like just go and have something local or um, maybe something different than i would have before the race yeah so when you were in italy what did you get oh gelato <laughs> oh there we go but in italy like it was um uh there like that you can't really go wrong with their food other yeah. than you might be rolling onto the start list <laughs> but like i enjoy like their pastries their their pizza like um but we we often all like have a kitchenette or are self-sufficient if we're staying there for a longer amount of time than just a few days before the race. So like if we're in an Airbnb, we'll just go to the grocery store. Like I made my meal before Italy, just like pasta. And my mom was like, oh, do you want veggies? I was like, no, don't do veggies anymore. Uh, close, <laughs> we're too close. close. <laughs> but I'll get like a whole baguette. I'll eat that. Like I just really just my stomach always is kind of like something that I always want to make sure is right on race day. And I just feel most comfortable. And my nutritionist like advised that a while ago is just stop eating like kind of like the whole grain fruits and vegetables that could potentially like four days out from the race. Oh, um, four days. Talking about food, I wanted to include a Katie's Crave list. (laughs) So I would like to know like your one or two like comfort foods for like when you're not feeling great, when you're feeling sour, when you're after your race, I have to have this thing. What are those must-haves for you, Katie? Okay, well, the first one I think of is things I can't buy because I have no self-control if they're in my house. <laughs> oh, like I don't what? necessarily see it as a bad thing yeah. for people who can like eat in moderation. Yeah. But like cereal, mm. I go I can go through like a oh, box sorry. of cereal oh. in like two days oh, if it's uh in the house so i typically won't buy it and it's not even like it's life and oatmeal squares that oh, it's not even like, oh, like oh, my some like trader joe's pumpkins i know but i still don't think that a box of well two because i mix them in like yeah, two days is like reasonable <laughs> so so that's why that's one of those that's probably like the comfort one yeah. um and then like after a race i really like a burger or a really good pizza although now i'm becoming a lot more picky with the pizza where i'm like a good like fluffy crust pizza um so you don't like the new york style or do you like the chicago style or somewhere in between i like italian whatever was in italy pizza mouthy and gin was the one that <laughs> like i have in my head right oh, now no. so all pizzas run because it's not in italy so well if they bring that to here <laughs> in <Italy. laughs> um and then ice cream i like like my dad always said my dad he passed away a couple of years ago now, but um, it would always be like race hard, do you, like have fun, and then go get ice cream. <laughs> so after Cagliari, we got gelato. Yeah. Oh, very awesome. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, was there any at any point when you were getting up, you know, into your professional career, and obviously you were experimenting different kinds of food and stuff like that? Were there any things that you cannot eat for sure anymore because of what they did to you during our race? 
No, I feel like it's probably more training that has like my no like my no list and it's funny because it's a lot like apples or grapes like would make my stomach upset or like dairy products like too close to it but it's I still eat all of those things but it just won't be in proximity yeah. to a training session and definitely not a hard training session um and just like things that make my stomach feel heavy so even like we were talking about oatmeal but I probably wouldn't do like especially as it's getting warmer, like a yeah. uh, like big bowl of oatmeal before a training session, oh, just because yeah. I'd, I'd much rather just eat like toast with yeah. jam or banana and peanut butter or something. Um, yeah, so those are kind of like my, my no, my no list. <laughs> cool. Can we do transitions for a second? So I see you on your Instagram account practicing transition, which I think a lot of athletes need to be doing, but they often neglect that even though it's part of your race time. Yeah. Are there any strategies or things that you've done to get that to be a much faster part of the race than maybe before? And the question of the day is, are you socks or no socks? No socks for sure. But if I was doing long distance triathlon, I would for sure be socks. But, <laughs> but like for my races, it really, like if I were to put on socks, there's, I'd be out of the race. Like my, my day is done. <laughs> like, or I'd have to become a much better swimmer um, to be able to have that luxury. So no socks um, for the races. There's one. So one of the first things you said that makes me think about is just putting it into your training. Like I literally like asked my coach to put it into my program because if it's up to me to just pick a day to do it, like it'll become one of the things that I consider skippable. Mm. And so like, skippable things for me mean that strength would have been one of them for me so i know if i did strength by myself i would just skip it on days where i was tired so i go somewhere to do strength and i have someone who helps me do my strength because it holds me accountable sure. same thing with transitions it's in my program as like fridays i have transition and skills practice so that's going specifically with like tommy or with one of my other friends to go practice the those things mm -hmm. Um, we try to make it as like race simulation as possible because I will do the hard part is doing those things. You want to be doing them at like race pace and not just like kind of like going through them. Right. So I can't have it as like an easy ride because it's tiring. It's really tiring. So it's part of like a harder session. Um, for tips, I use the bungees for my, for my running shoes and really like this is a huge reason to practice it because you really have to have it the right like Tension. tightness yeah, basically exactly. because you have to get your foot in, but also you have to make sure that when you're running, it's not going to be giving you like great you blisters exactly. and sometimes you get blisters. Anyway. <laughs> um, and then like whether people do baby powder or Vaseline within their shoes, I usually use baby powder, but actually for Mexico, I'm thinking about trying Vaseline just because of it being hot and humid. Oh, yeah. I don't want the baby powder to get sticky. Yeah, I know. I haven't um, used either of those. Yeah, you can put it like on the heel cups, okay. just like a little bit. Um, so slides a little bit better. Yeah. So why don't we pick up from transition? Additional thing. Yes, yes, yes. We had one more additional thing with uh, your nutrition for your race. Oh yes. Just asking about if yeah. you drink coffee before oh, a race. Yeah. I won't drink coffee the morning of, but I take a caffeine pill about an hour before my race and it's a 200 milligram caffeine pill and um i was just saying i did experiment with because you can look up like 
the amount you take per kilo or for your weight of like what's the ideal mm-hmm. number. And so mine's actually 300 milligrams if I go up that. Um, and so for one of the last races, I did try 300 milligrams, which I've done in the past, but I, I don't know why I went to 200. I felt more comfortable with that, but I tried the 300 and I liked it. So I'll probably do it again for my next race. But um, I like when I started drinking coffee and using caffeine, it was performance based. Yes. Like it was never really because of yeah. uh, you don't like the like, flavor of coffee. Now I do. Now oh, I do yeah. the oh, day. But when I first started, it was in like I think we were in a high altitude camp in uh, France, and my my coach was like, I was getting grumpy and tired. My coach was like, Katie, I think today's a good day to try coffee. <laughs> and I do, I like respond really well to caffeine. Um, it's funny because Tommy, it doesn't affect him at all. So he doesn't drink coffee or take or do any caffeine because he's the same. But he always has energy. So I never yeah. not. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. So let's go back to transition for a second. Yeah. Talked about um, the flying bounds. Yeah. Um, did you identify this one? You keep your feet on top of the pedals when you go out there. I do. Sh- I do your feet straight in the Same. shoes. Okay. Yeah, I actually have a um, my my uh, triathlon shoes, my cycling shoes. They're actually a pretty old model that you can't even get unless it's on eBay. Oh, um, because they stopped making them, but I really like them, so I've stuck with them. Velcro or the wind up? They're Velcro, um, and it's because you can open them pretty far yeah. so that you can stick your feet. And I do feel like it's like really advantageous to be able to do that so yeah i definitely have to wind it like, up wind so it up. open it put my feet on there ride yeah. a little bit and yeah i think that's similar to what tommy has and yeah i just i don't i only use my shoes for racing like when i'm training i i usually train in cycling shoes for the bike unless i'm doing transition for right. this. so katie go back to the olympics um a couple of things first the first thing is what was your like best non-race memory of Tokyo? Best non-race memory. I think for me, it was, so when I went to Rio, I like when a race was the second to last day, I was so focused on the race that by the time the race came, like I was just really like wanting to do well in the race. The race came, I finished, I was disappointed and I realized I like missed the whole Olympics and I didn't really take in like the atmosphere or the fact I was there. And like we went to the athlete village, but after the race but because we were so late into the games like there was nobody there so um we went to the closing ceremonies which was amazing especially because it's like the handoff to tokyo so it was a really cool um performance and everything and just being on the ground with all the athletes but i promise i'm getting to your question so for tokyo i think i didn't have like one clear thing outside of the race that i really enjoyed it was mainly just i knew if i was able or given the opportunity to be at another Olympics, I wanted to change how I experienced the Olympics so that no matter what type of performance I had, I would be able to leave and like happy and fulfilled by like the games and how everybody else sees it. Like that's how I wanted to experience it. And so that the whole thing of just being there, we actually stayed in the village this year because or in 2021, because, um, our venue like you could actually see it across the water like it was that close and i think just being surrounded by all the athletes like you do pin trades so all the countries and sports have their own pins and you have a like you can put them on your lanyard 
And so that was really cool. And then because I did well, I was like, got to be on Good Morning America or or the Today Show. And that was a pretty cool experience, except it was the same time that Simone Biles was like not doing her events. So so like I was supposed to go on and they're like, like, hold on, taking news. It was kind of, I mean, that was just like a whole different like realm of stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I'm very understanding that some of the files was like, like above <laughs> me, but they're yeah. like, you can, if you want to, I was like, no, I'll wait, I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> so those are like really cool things. And um, it is a race memory, but the mixed relay, it was the first time it's ever been in the Olympics. And um, I was a part of that as well. And so cool. to be a part of, the inaugural mixed relay for triathlon and and so i'm not talking about the performance but just the fact that it was an event that i got to be part of for the first time in history is pretty amazing awesome what is your strongest discipline of the three it really depends on the day um yeah i i like that i feel like i'm transformed into a complete triathlete where i don't really have to have my race go a particular way like even if it if it comes down to the run, I'm usually still one of the strongest runners, uh, especially I'm still building my run back after having Kimball. But like in the past, my, like swim, bike and run, I've been strong across the board, yeah. which is also nice. Like when we were talking about going into races and when I have self-doubt, it's like I honestly just don't I don't need to think like, oh, I really hope like the swim isn't fast or the bike. Like it doesn't matter because I know I'm capable of handling whatever scenario plays out. Great place to be. Yeah. <laughs> you over here, I'm just trying to run with them. <laughs> I'm just trying to like swim. The swim I feel like was probably like the one when I, like a lot of people have hard time. And even for like, that was the part that I struggled with coming back from like pregnancy oh, more. It's because of the speed at which we have to get out in mm-hmm. the initial like first like 300 meters of, I mean, our race is. If it's a sprint, it's only 750 meters or Olympic is 1500 meters. But like the first like 300 meters of either of those distances is so crucial. And it's just when you have 65 women, like I always say, like anyone can swim 100 meters really fast. So it doesn't create a lot of, you're with a lot of bodies, no matter what caliber of race you're at. So it's like trying to get past that point and like stay committed to like, this will pass and like kind of hope i mean it's going back to tokyo is funny because not funny but my i had two of my worst races probably of my career like leading into tokyo and my swim was like really really bad for both of them it was the it was the thing i struggled with the most so when i got to tokyo i was like just trying to remember like i like i my my mantra going into tokyo was like i know how to do this and I'd been having really good swims and training leading into the race. But when I got to the race and like, literally it was probably the first like four strokes. And I was in it. I just like got on the feet of one of the fastest swimmers in our sport, Jess Learmont. And I'm like, surely there's like another path somewhere because it was like so smooth. And I like breathed to my right typically, but I like breathed to my left. And I was like, no, we are like, and I was like third out of the water. But it's like, Wow. It really, like, I feel like I'm either, like, at the front or the back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never in between. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, so I'm working on that. 
did you know during Tokyo, like at, or at what point did you feel like this is going to be my day or you even had a feeling or just kind of my job's going to get it down. I feel like I was very present in the moment for all of the Tokyo race. And like I was talking about before where I get a lot of like confidence from races I'd done before. Like I felt like Tokyo was all lessons learned in racing because it was wet and it was like a really high pressure race. It was like having the swim come together. And then when I got onto the run, like I was doing pretty well from like the beginning and I ran in second for like not, not a, I can't even remember when I got passed for to be third, but I was in second for a bit of time. And I was just kept thinking, because, like, be ready, be ready, be ready for like whoever's coming past you to like stay engaged. Like, don't like have like a shutdown moment of like when someone passes you to like try to go with them. So, and I always run scared or compete scared of what's coming behind me. So until I cross that finish line, I I did not know like like Greg I definitely didn't feel like oh I've got this all right like, I remember like my quad or yeah my quad just like I felt like a ball in it at one point at like one of the farther turnarounds and I like just just breathe through it it'll go away it'll go away like and and it did but um yeah so I definitely at the finish line I felt safe <laughs> I clinched the third place. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Um, as far as like leading up to that point, was there any sort of like game changer thing that you added to your training version for the Olympics that you're like, oh man, this is the year that when I did this, it led to this or is just everything combined? No. So 2019 was one of the best years I ever had. It was when I was world champion and I was like really like winning a lot of races that year and 2020 hit with COVID. And so like during that time, I kind of shut down my training, didn't really focus on performances just because I was like. I have to last like another year. And for me, energy management is a big thing. So like if I would have trained through 2020, I didn't know how I would be for 2021. Um, but then in 2021, my dad passed away in April of like a couple months before the Olympics. So that was like the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my life. My dad was, it was really unexpected. My dad has been such a, I mean, he's my dad. I don't, I don't really know how to put into words how much he means to me or how much, he, because it's just really hard. Um, so like right after in that one's like April 8th. And then, um, I had a race mother's day weekend in May. And that was like the first race I did poorly at. Then I had another race in June, the second race I did poorly at. And then the Olympics is in like August, the end of July. And, and so I hadn't been selected because in the test event in for Tokyo, I'd crashed and ended up in the hospital um, in 2019. And then the next qualifier was the first race after my dad passed away. Didn't do well there. So I was, so when you ask about anything special running into the Olympics, like, no, definitely not. It was like literally just trying to hold my world together. Um, like when I went to, when I went to Japan, or sorry, it was so like, the first race after my dad passed away, that was also in Japan and Yokohama. When I went to that race, like I knew I wasn't ready to perform, but I also knew I had to do my first race, like without having my dad. And it was, it was horrible. Like I just fell apart. Like the, like days, like the night before the race. And like also because of COVID protocols, you couldn't be with anyone. So you were in a hotel room by yourself. Like, so. um, and so 
at one point I like let go of the Olympics and was just like it because the USAT had to decide basically between me and my like resume and like my history of winning. But there's another USA triathlon athlete, Taylor Spivey, who she's just been consistent like all the time, but she's never won and she wasn't like consistently on the podium as much as me. And so they're like basically deciding between me and her. And I just kind of had to let go of like whatever they decide, they decide. And like, I remember talking to USAT at like, before they'd made their selection and I was having really good training. I was like, I felt like myself and I got off the conversation and I was like super confident on the call. <laughs> and I was like, well, I sure hope I can back that up after like, oh, awesome. and like I felt it, like I felt really good about it. Like it wasn't like I was like, I wasn't BSing or anything like that. It was just like, like after, like, I was like, I'm still like, I felt like myself. So, but then once I got selected, I was like, okay, I'm to like, we gotta, we gotta like, like just stay in the moment, I guess, because I, w I was very grateful that I was selected, but it made Tokyo even more important to like the mental side of things more so than the physical. And, um, so yeah, nothing, nothing special other than trying to like rebuild myself and um use everything i'd learned like really relied on a lot on my sports psychologist and um, like my coach and tommy my family like and and i think one of the things i went into for tokyo the most was just grateful for like the community after my dad passed away like whether it was like in the races right after he passed away or like before that like they were the traveling community was amazing and like I was like so thankful for it and um and then during the race in Tokyo like mid-race there was a rainbow right by Rainbow Bridge and I took that as like a sign that my dad was like there and like watching um so yeah no, nothing special if oh. <laughs> <laughs> anything it was not Everything the like, least ideal preparation probably ever we'll just talk about like how much you can work through adversity and still come very, very yeah. successful. And then sometimes, like, I thought, like, oh, I don't even, like, right after my dad passed away, you're like, you realize what's important. And like, I'm like, I don't even want to do triathlon anymore. But, like, he, t dad was so much a part of my journey with triathlon. And we, like, 2019 was such a special year. Like, he was there in Lausanne with my mom when I wanted to, like, the grand final like we had uh, there was a race in bermuda that like they, like there is a really special year and then COVID hit and uh, we had to decide where we were gonna be because we were at a camp in florida but like everything went on hold and we're like at that point we didn't have a home so, <laughs> so we rented a van and drove up to maryland and we just lived with my parents for that time and now like when i think about like i'm not saying like i'm happy COVID happened but like i got a lot of just like normal time with my dad where normally we'd be traveling the world. And so that was like really special. So then 2021, like I knew I wanted to, I didn't feel like the pressure to like perform, but I knew I was going to keep going because like it was something we shared. Um, I just wanted to talk about like, so after the Olympics, um, and having Kimball, what brought you back to racing? 
because I think you had yeah. mentioned you weren't sure if you were going to continue racing or not. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. There are a couple things. One of them being, I never felt like I was done. Like I never reached the point in my triathlon career where I was like, I'm tired of this. Like, I don't like it. Like the only reason I wasn't going to keep going was because of starting a family and feeling like I wasn't sure how I could be as a mom and an athlete. And then I realized like, well, I can always like, I shouldn't not do it before I try to do it. And give up before you start. Yeah. And like my whole feeling is I think what I've learned also in life is that you can always change if something's not working, like you can stop, but like, (laughs) but you have to at least give it a chance. And so that's, as I started triathlon, that was the idea. I was like, I'll just see. And if, if it's not working, we'll pivot. Like no big deal. Like it's fine. And it ended up that like, it hasn't really, like I was saying, there's a lot of challenges to it, but it's been really cool to see that I can do it. And I'm not sure like what, like how far that'll take me. Like when people ask like, yes, Paris is the goal, but I can't focus on Paris. I have to just focus on like one race at a time and see, see what I can do. But I've been really excited. Like the last race I did was my, um, was the WTCS series race. So like the world triathlon championship series. So it's the highest level of racing and I finished 12th. Yeah. And that was like a very good, uh, finish mm-hmm. considering like Kimball's still t- like 10 months old. Um, and what made it even more exciting was I was like, I was really proud of that, but, and I raced it in a way that I took a lot more ownership of it in the race, but I can do better. And like, I, I know I can like, in like a lot of different ways. And it's like, cool. Like <laughs> if we can move up like a few more spots, like, that's pretty awesome. So I think that was a big part of it. Also Tommy, because he works for world triathlon, like he was going to be at all the races. And so I'm like, well, if he's going to be at the races, so we might as well like we should be at the races. And I just yeah. like the, like I was saying, I just like the community and I like the people who I train with are my friends and that's... the people who I compete against are my friends, the race officials, the that's... people who work that's for world so... triathlon, yeah. like the people who work for USA that's triathlon, all the USA triathlons in the yeah. US so we can see them more often. Yeah. But like, I like everybody and I think that's a, it's fun for me. And it's also been really cool because now everybody's met Kimball yeah, at races like and it makes it even more fun. Like yeah. just having him be a part of that and having him like, I mean, he probably won't remember, but like he gets to be a part of a big impactful, like <laughs> portion of my life. <laughs> so, so that's, I think all those things are yeah. kind of why I decided to, and we, there's a lot of big differences because we traveled a lot beforehand and we would always go to camps and be with my training squad and be with my coach. And one of the biggest things that we had to change was we wanted to be based at home more, although we we're still traveling a ton, but like we have to have a training like um, group here, but instead of being triathlon, it's really like I swim with, like uh, swimmers, I cycle with the cycling community. I run with well, triathlete. <laughs> but, um, but we're really finding that the community here in Cary is really conducive oh, to yeah. what I need to do at, at my level. So it's been working. Yeah, it's awesome. 
And now with him walking around, he just needs a little kit, a little singlet. I know. Like, right. yeah. <laughs> he is a busy boy. <laughs> oh, he's busy. Can you do for, um, I know many people have different recovery methods after racing or training. Are there any things, you mentioned sauna before, are there any things that you do to like recover physically um, from training or racing? Sauna is not recovery for me, That's first of all. <laughs> I'm like sitting in the sauna because like how many minutes like. Yeah, today the guy was like, it's on yours. And I was like, I wish it wasn't. Um, but no, sauna for me is purely on a fair heat adaptation. And I really don't enjoy the sauna, um, which is probably why I'm doing it. Um, but I do like massage is probably my number one. Um, again, it's just I do better going somewhere and investing in that portion yeah. rather than having to do like rolling or sure. um, like the um, percussion gun on yeah, myself. Yeah. Like I just I like having someone else do that do the work. Absolutely. Um, sleep obviously would be like the easiest one in theory, although I feel like it's also the one that also gets the shaft sometimes yeah, and stuff. yeah especially with Kimbo like I haven't really been sleeping as much I do have a percussion gun that I use um, usually if my calves like it or my shins get sore and then I sure. use it on my calves and I used to be a non-believer but actually right, <laughs> now yeah. I'm a believer with Very it helpful. Yeah. Um, and then I like use the stick or maybe like my hamstrings are always tight so like whether it's a golf ball or um, lacrosse ball or lacrosse ball and just like sitting in a hard surface chair and just kind of like cross yeah. what do you call it cross section yeah as a cross cross section is um what about like recovery boots or anything like that i do like recovery boots i just feel like we haven't been sitting like it, it's another thing where you like just have to sit there yeah um and i think when i'm home that's been harder for me i i do really like them i just lately they haven't really been used so much yeah have you, in your experience, I know you mentioned that you were resilient with injury. Um, have you ever had to use physical therapy for things? And generally, how has it helped you in your training journey? No, actually. Um, but I, like, every time I do strength, I it's a physical therapist who's running me through yeah, everything. Nice. Um, from Santa Cruz, I worked with Jeff Marino. And he, like, I... So after Rio, I, like, really reflected on things that I thought would make me better. And... One of them was like a sports psychologist talking to more regularly another and other things. But another part was doing more like strength regularly as well. But I was worried because I feel like when you think strength, it's like get strong, get buff. That's the focus. Like, and I was like, I don't want the strength portion to be the focus of my week. I want it to be supplemental to my training. And I really wanted someone I would trust to like, do that and so somehow i got connected through like friends <laughs> i made it to jeff and he was amazing and like what and he, it was just like so critical just because he we do a lot of just like body weight exercises and so the foundation of his program i basically carried with me even though i'm not in santa cruz and i see i see someone else yeah. and um i see uh lee murray Sorry, Lee Welch from uh, the running PTs, and he really helps me to like navigate the strength portion of it. And it's a lot of the same program Jeff was doing, and they're connected. I like the people I work with 
to be connected so that they have the whole picture and that I'm doing similar things to what has worked for me rather than writing the book. But he puts his own spin on like, of course, yeah, parts of it, which is like what I would hope because everyone has their own specialties. So, anyways, just to say, I don't use much PT. They'll like sometimes it's nice to go to PT because you'll be like, oh, this is bothering me, and they'll be able to do like manual work, but. That's right. In our experience, that we've, we've seen actually for athletes and learners have been our biggest mainstay as a community and also as clientele. And what we have found is that traditionally, strength has been what's been lacking in a lot of yeah. you know, high performers. And mm-hmm. it's it's funny because um, a lot of times they get surprised by, by how well they do after they add strength into the training. Again, as yeah. a supplement, not as a mainstay. Yeah. And so it's funny that you mentioned that too as an old. Well, like we do a lot of just um, like... I can't think of the word right now, but like the exercises are like what I would like very transferable to like what I'm doing, swimming, biking, running. Directly related. Yeah. One of the muscles that you are engaging when you're doing those. Like step ups, like Mm -hmm. like lenses. Um, And again, like I said before, if I didn't go to someone, I would consider it like one of the skippable things. I honestly just don't enjoy doing it by myself. That's probably you would skip it. (laughs) I like like having someone to run me through it. And um, that's why like when when I first got connected, it was like based off almost like proximity to start because I was like, I, I was driving to Bali and she's like 36 minutes away. And I was like, I really like Shifali, but I was like, Shifali, I'm going to be strength for like 30 to 45 minutes and I can't like, and I have to do all the other stuff. So I think like along with doing it, you have to make it so it's feasible for you and like be um, as like the path of least resistance, I always think, Mm -hmm. and that you find a place that works for you and can help you and is also works for your life. (laughs) Um, can you talk about how the Inside Tracker has been beneficial for you? I think you talked about that on your yeah. Instagram stuff too. Yeah, Inside Tracker, I just love because I love the fact that you can see the inside of things. And also, I'm a little bit like, I'm a little bit someone who likes to worry. <laughs> so, so it's nice for me just to like be able to have the inside look on all the different levels of like what's going on in my body to be able to make sure a that everything's still going great and if there is something that i can catch it before it actually becomes a problem um and i just feel like i really enjoy having my blood tested for those reasons because it just provides you with so much information of like things that you might not be able to put directly together but it's showing you like Mm -hmm. oh like i mean there's a lot that i feel like with like your iron low or it just shows you what your normal is so i feel like sometimes one of the times I got my blood tested, it was like with having Kimball and there were like a lot of things that were just like out of whack and, and it's like, okay, like don't freak out. Like there's something like your own body's kind of going through something. And just to have the, the history of like, what are my levels? What's my normal? So that if something's not normal, it's very clear. And it's like, not something we have to react to if like maybe those levels are high all the time. Like, Right. or low like you know so no i really i really like it for that reason and i i, I mean the whole reason inside tracker was founded was this a similar thing i think his grandmother had cancer or something and it was 
to be able to have that inside look so that you could catch things sooner. Yeah. yeah. I did want to handle the quote that you said in the article. Should, like, so these are your words, not mine. Okay, uh, no. still, still stand back. <laughs> um, and I don't want to end the show on snow that you don't have to lose something you love or you're passionate about because it seems for you can find a way and it doesn't have to look like anyone else. It just has to work for you and your first family. That was really cool because um, it shows a lot of maturity, I think, as an athlete to know that there's, there is a bigger picture to this whole thing of why you're doing these things. At the same time, you're still going to give it your all yeah. no matter what level you're at. Yeah, I think it's I've, a lot of times I get asked like from coming back about like looking, have I talked to the other moms? Have I talked to like other like athletes? And I have a bit, but I also feel like a big part of that is just like knowing that what they're doing doesn't necessarily mean like I have to do that too, or that like we can have a different way of way of life and that we can make something work. And I think the other freeing thing, it, there it was a second part to the quote, mm-hmm. but like it's just the fact that like I was saying before, you're just it's just trying to do what you envision. And if you find out that's not your thing anymore, that's not your passion, that's not your like journey, you just, you can pivot and find something else. Like you don't have to say like, I'm going to like, I didn't have to say, I'm going to come back to qualify for the Olympics. If I say, okay, like this isn't for me, that's not a failure. Like that's, that's just a change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I like the way you think about that. Yeah. I like that too. Yeah. Katie, thank you so much for being on our show. I really had a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes. Awesome. Cool. Cool. Thanks so much for tuning into today's episode. It really does mean a lot to us. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe, or comment if you got at least one or two helpful insights or takeaways to help you get to your next level.